Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right, I'm going to hit replay. Are you ready for the Bible? That was for you. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no, room, no guest room available for them. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love you and thank you that we stand on this side of the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. Lord, there are many who came before us, Lord, who stood on the other side of the story before it happened, while it happened. But Lord, we get to stand on the side of it has happened. And we get to rejoice in your birth over and over and over again. And we just thank you, Jesus for who you are. You are why we are here today, because we love you. We have given our allegiance to you because we read this story and realize, Lord, that it is your love story to us. And so, Lord, would you open up our hearts to hear what you would have to say to us in the midst of this day that we celebrate and honor you. Lord, I pray for the empowerment and the the leading of your Holy Spirit to share your word today. We love you, Jesus. Amen. I love reading the various versions of the Christmas story. Um, you know, Luke is this quaint and accessible version. It's very human. Um, you can picture what it must have been like for this young couple struggling to do right for the Lord and, and taking on this amazing assignment from heaven to raise the Son of God. And then you have Matthew's telling, and Matthew's telling is um, more legal, if you will, and he's assuring us of how upright Joseph and Mary were, and he tells us of the danger that they faced with Herod wanting to murder the Messiah. Um, You go to the book of Mark, and Mark doesn't even talk about the birth of Jesus. He just parachutes you right in. There's John the Baptist, and there's Jesus getting baptized, and skips over the childhood altogether, and, and he jumps like uh, right into the ministry of Jesus. I had a, a professor once say that Mark is the author who is just rushing to the cross as quick as he can to get to talk about the story of the cross. And then you have John's perspective, John's gospel, which is radically different. And uh, have you ever heard a story from two different people, and they told it very differently, but they were both right? That's what reading these are like. You know, Matt, Luke is just so quaint and so accessible. It's so human, you know, and that kind of thing. But you get to John's perspective, and he addresses, addresses the uh, birth of Christ from heaven's perspective. 
He addresses the birth of Christ from eternity's perspective. He addresses the birth of Christ uh, with his God identity on full display from the get-go, from the drop. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I feel like I need to have like some percussion and bass as I'm reading this, right? And he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things that were made, uh, all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Then you go to verse 14, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling. This is no... And there wasn't room for him in the manger. Like this is, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. There's nothing subtle about John. No holding back here. It's an eternal perspective. And from the, the, the first phrase, right, in the beginning, which is supposed to trigger something and you go, hold on, I remember another book that said in the beginning, Genesis 1, 1. I mean, it's like, it's this massive perspective, right? There's, there's no delay in revealing who Jesus is in the book of John. Jesus' identity, it's revealed immediately that he's eternal, that he's God, and that he is, he is creator. Comparatively, Luke and Matthew are, are kind of like, they're a bit of a slow drip. Like you, when you begin reading these books, you re- they reveal the identity and the purpose of the Messiah in a very methodical way. This unfolding, all right, let me, let me tell you a little bit more. Let me tell you a little bit more. The telling of the story helps people who've never heard the, God, the, the good news, right? Grasp the profoundness of who Jesus is just bit by bit by bit. Luke, Luke and Matthew are like one, ah, oh, aha, like after another. Where John, he tells a story knowing that you've probably heard it already, right? We talk, I talk about that a lot, right? Hindsight bias, right? You know when I read Luke chapter 2, you've heard it before, and you just love hearing those words again and that kind of thing, right? We have this hindsight bias, right? But there's going to be no room for him. He's going to be born in a manger. Like, like I know this one, right? John, when he tells a story, it's like he knows that you know already. So he's like, there's no slow drip here. We're going straight to it. Jesus is the Messiah, and he has come from eternity and stepped out of heaven. In Luke and Matthew, it's easier to understand why the people who were growing up around Jesus and even the first generation of people to hear about Jesus after his um, death and resurrection, why everyone thought that Jesus was probably going to set up an earthly kingdom. Where in John, it's obvious that Jesus is playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers. Right? Like, Like he is... He is not of this world playing a worldly game. Like, he has got a higher agenda. He's always thinking at a different level than anyone else. He's always, what he is doing and his purposes are so much greater. They're like, oh, you're here to save us. And they're like, you have no idea how much he is here to save you. Like, we're here to save us from the Romans. No, no, I'm here to save you from your sins. And I'm here to save you for eternity. Like, he is playing chess and everyone's going, well, maybe things will get a little better, and maybe my tax burden will go down. Like, like that's what, where they are, right? He is here to reveal the kingdom of God, an eternal kingdom. And he is here to establish a new covenant. 
And if we were going to summarize John's telling of the Christmas story uh, and the gospel, it would go like this. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, and he is greater and going to establish greater things than he even fulfills. Say that again. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. It was all pointing to him, and he is the fulfillment. And he is greater than everything that he has fulfilled because that they were the signs pointing to him. And, you know, Jesus fulfills this covenant of the law and he brings a new and better covenant. Jesus, he is the new Moses who's even greater than Moses. He is the new temple who is greater than the old temple. He said, tear this temple down and I'll rebuild it in three days. And they're, they're thinking of the structure and he's like, I'm talking about me. He is the new Messiah and the greater Messiah. In the very first chapter of John, it says a few verses down from where we read, it says in verse 16, out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, the law is referred to in this scripture actually as a grace, just simply meaning that it was a gift. Because it says in verse 16, it says, we have received grace in place of grace already given, for the law was given through Moses. He's saying that the law was a gift, and he even calls it a grace, like it was a gift for you. But we've received a gift in place of the gift, an even better gift. Grace and truth is the better that Jesus brought. The better grace, the better gift. Connect gift to Christmas and gifts. Okay, good. Keep going. So just making that, you know, it's like making sure the plug went in. Okay. Oh, the lights are on. Okay. This, this is... So unexpected. Now, again, we have that hindsight bias. It's expected because we know the story. But I want to tell you, this is unexpected grace. We've been talking about unexpected journeys and unexpected births. This story of Jesus coming and being the fulfillment and the fact that he would bring this new covenant, this covenant of grace was unexpected. Nobody thought that the covenant of the law was about to conclude and be fulfilled. No one thought that's, that was the plan. Everyone expected a Messiah, and everybody hoped for a Messiah. And we've been studying this in our John class. When they heard Messiah or Christ, by the way, Messiah is the Hebrew word, from the Hebrew um, uh, language, the translation, and Christ is the Greek language translated to us. They both mean anointed one. So they're synonyms, one's the Hebrew and one's the Greek. Anointed one meant to them an earthly king because Samuel anointed Saul and David was anointed. And David talked about the anointed of the Lord. And in the Psalms, it talks about don't touch the Lord's anointed, right? And so a Messiah, the promise of a Messiah, just very logically meant a king was coming. And yes, a king is coming, Amen but much greater than the king you expect. It was an unexpected king at a level in a playing field, 
playing chess while we're all playing checkers in a totally another dimension, a much higher kingdom and greater kingdom, an eternal kingdom, right? And so they're, they're expecting this earthly king and they expected this, this temple system to continue and their hope was that this Roman occupation would end. See, when you hear something and you have your heart set on a thing, and you get news, you interpret the news per what you are hoping for. Can I say that to you again? When you are hoping and expecting something and good news comes, you translate the good news for the thing that you are hoping for. Oh, this is the thing I've been asking for. This is the thing that I've been expecting. But God had much greater ideas than their expectations. Can I hit pause for just a second and say, hey, let's remember when we're praying and when we're asking and when we're seeking the Lord that your expectations and the things that you are asking for, it's okay, go ask him. But give him editorial rights over your prayer. Give him the right to change your prayer because they were asking for a king to, sh- to shift the Roman Empire, but our king was going to overcome darkness and he was going like, to overcome the power of darkness and set us free from the power of sin and death. He was playing chess and everyone else was playing checkers, right? What they were hoping for was a checkers move and he said, I've got a kingdom move. And in our own lives, you may have a good prayer, that's godly and, and virtuous. Like, it, you know, it stands up, but God may have something greater in store. So always give him. It's like leaving the cursor on on the computer. Just don't save yet. Don't close the document. Keep that prayer open. Because he may go and rewrite something. Right? He may have something better to write. I'm not, I want to encourage you. Give him your prayer. Write down your prayer. Share your prayer. Just keep it open before him. Because he don't work for you and me. Right? He loves us, but he don't work for us. It's the other way around. And yet he says to seek him and to ask him. They assumed that Jesus was going to fulfill the expectations and the hopes that they had to break the back of this Roman government, and of this oppression. But Jesus, instead, he fulfills the law, he fulfills the old covenant, and he brings something better. Would you say the word better? better. Come on, he gives us something better. Yeah, yeah. Romans 8, verse 3, says this. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by our flesh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You see, the law was good. It was a grace, but we couldn't do it. We couldn't hack it. That Old Testament law of do this and don't do that and, and you know, this sacrifice. And, all, and, and there were very sincere people who tried very hard and failed. Why? Because Scripture says you, it was, we were weakened by our sinful nature. In ourselves, we cannot become good. That is 
one of the greatest lessons of the covenant of the law. You know what's great about our God? He didn't do that like to set them up to fail. He judged them by their faith and obedience and their heart position with the covenant they were under. Y'all follow me? And yet, that we learn something in the covenant of the law. It's like, I just can't do it. I've told the story so many times, but, you know, Abigail, years ago, you know, she was upset and she had been uh, busted for something and she had sinned. And she's like six. So it's like six-year-old sin or eight-year-old sin, I think it was. And she was, oh, she was in trouble and she was busted. And, you know, we're having the talk and it's serious. I'm using my dad voice, you know, and... She breaks down crying. And she goes, Dad, I wanted to do the right thing, but I just couldn't. And in that moment, even though like we're having this serious talk, on my insides, I'm like, yes, that's it. You just experienced the crux of the gospel. You can't do it. You do not have the power to be a good person. That's why a lot of people are, are afraid of the faith is because they know that that's true, but they haven't heard the rest of the story, and they, they haven't heard that he writes the law on our hearts, and he empowers us by his Holy Spirit. Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the law by going to the cross, like he fulfilled the need for there to be the payment of death. The wages of sin is death, right? He's like, put it on me. I'm going to take it on me. I have not sinned. I'm going to take the sin of, as we say in Goochland, all y'all and put it on me, right? And I am going to pay your debt. And he condemned that sin in us by paying the debt once and for all. He fulfilled those righteous requirements so that, um, so that the law... Sorry. Sometimes I get lost in my own writing. <laughs> you just stop, right? He fulfilled those requirements, and he brought a better and a new covenant. He didn't toss it away and say, it doesn't work, it's not good. It's saying, I am going to fulfill it, and I'm going to bring you something better. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not, and he, I love how the scripture doubles down because in the verse, verse 9 it goes, not by works so that no one can boast. The reality is we receive it as a gift knowing we can't do it on our own. And God does not put us in the same position as before where we are trying to do good in our own strength. No. No, now we live not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The profoundness of what it means to live by the Spirit. This isn't like nice talk, flowery talk. No, this means like the Holy Spirit is in you, and He empowers and enables you to do the right thing when your flesh would fail. Can I say that to you again? That Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit in you empowers you to do the right thing when you would not be able to do it in your own flesh. The, the, the reality is, I can't do it. 
You can't do it. You can't be good enough. I can't be good enough. And I've totally accepted that. Because if you don't accept the fact that you can't do it and that you're not good enough, you're going to try and try and try, and you can't. You have to have the empowerment of the Spirit to do, to live, to live for the Lord. Every other way is just grinding and grinding, and it's not His purpose for you. He gave you the Holy Spirit to empower you and to draw him, Himself, you, you closer to Him so that you can live for Him. It is a grace upon a grace. It's an even better grace. It's an even better gift. If you were going to receive a gift from the Lord today, the gift that I would say that you and I should receive is the gift of forgiveness, the gift of His Holy Spirit, the gift of there are things that you can do that I can't do. I admit, Lord, without you, I am powerless. Some of us were just too proud to say it. But there's something about that that honors God. It's not in a, in a, in a, um, in a way <laughs> that, that pushes us down. Um, I was going to say self-deprecating, but James um, and I have an inside joke about it. You should ask James about what, what the inside joke is about Pastor Mike and self-deprecating. I can't say it because it's a potty word. Um, and so I don't say that you, we can't do it in a way to put ourselves down, but it's in a way of honesty because he strengthens us and it honors him and it honors his sacrifice and it honors the role of his Holy Spirit when we say, I need you to live. I can't do it on my own. I don't want to do it on my own. I know what I'm capable of and I, I don't want to go that way. I just want to love and serve you, God. This grace, what an amazing gift. I have a feeling we're going to get to heaven. And we're going to be all, you know, hanging out like, hey, when were you born? Um, like, they tell me like 400 B.C. I didn't know there was a B.C., right? And you'd be like, really? Yeah, and I was, you know, grew up in Babylon and da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, oh, yeah, well, I was, you know, born in such and such. You know, we had iPhones. And they're like, what is an iPhone? But when they find out, that you had the grace of God on your life, they're going to be like, really? That sounds really good. And I think for us, when we get to heaven and we're with that crowd and that, that great cloud of witnesses, I hope that we answer well for the grace. You know what I mean? Like we go, you know what? I didn't, I, I didn't take advantage of the grace. I, I appreciated the grace. And I received the grace. I didn't deny myself of the grace and the gift and the forgiveness. But Lord, I, I allowed you to work in me. And I just went and lived for you because of this wonderful, wonderful grace that you've given me. I mean, that he would walk up to you and say, that guilt on your life, I'm removing it by the cross. That shame that's on your life, I'm removing it. Don't you want to have a longer conversation? Don't you want to sit me down for a while? Like, No, I want to remove it. I'm past that. It's paid for. The powerlessness that we have in our lives, he says, I want to empower you so that you can live this life. I want to settle all of that and make the past the past, and let's walk into the future. We have so much 
to be thankful for. Like Brenda said when, when, she, when, when we opened this morning. So much to be thankful for. Matt, will you come up and play? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with, with this. Mark 2.17. He says this. Jesus was, he was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners like you and me. And people were talking. They're like, look at who he allows to belong. Look at the people he lets come into his place. Look at the people he associates with. And they're, they're accusing him because of who he would be around. But you and I both know that that's us. And he's going to the people who need them, him and making them belong. And I love what it says in Mark 2.17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners. I want to tell you today, I am thankful to admit the fact that I am someone who, without Christ, would just be full of sin. And that I need his grace and I need his mercy. And that I'm the sinner that he came for. I'm the sick that he came for. I'm not the person on the outside going, well, I don't know, I, maybe I just need a dab. No, I need the whole thing. I need everything that he provided for me. Because left to myself, I'm alone, I'm without God, and in darkness. But in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came to make us belong. I'm so proud to serve Jesus. I'm so proud to call Him my Lord. I'm so proud to say I am the sinner He came for. I am the sick that He came for. And yeah, I can do good things, but it's because of his Holy Spirit in me. It's a fixed game, and he has empowered me to live for him, and I'm proud to do it. And I'm proud to give him the credit and the honor for it. Would you stand with me today? I want to pray with you today. If you're watching online today and, you know, you hear the message and maybe there's something in you that says, I need more of the Lord in my life. Um, I just want to encourage you to reach out to us because we're not a screen away. We're just an email or a phone call away. And uh, we would love to pray with you. Serving Jesus, giving your whole life to Jesus is something everyone should do and have a date in their life. December 25th, 2022 has a nice ring to it. Say, Jesus, I give you my whole life. And I need you. And I want to follow you and give my allegiance to you. Forgive me of my sins and help me to live a new life in you. If that's a prayer that you're praying, I want to pray with you and agree with you and rejoice with you. If you're online, go to victorychristian.church, click on next steps, and we will reach out to you quickly. If you do that today, I will call you today because it's such an amazing decision in your life. If you're in here today and that's a decision you want to make, I just want you to grab me before we all hug and kiss and go goodbye because um, it's a break. Don't kiss. That was a joke, mostly. 
Let's pray. Father, what an amazing gift. The gift of your son. The gift of a covenant of grace. The gift of your Holy Spirit. The gift of enabling us to live for you in a broken world. Uh, The gift of forgiveness. The gift of removing our shame. Lord, we are so thankful for we have received grace upon grace. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. As we worship you today, we remember that we can't live for you on our own. But Lord, we can live for you by the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you and we worship you today. Thank you for the quaint story, the accessibleness of it, the humanity of it. But thank you, God, also for the eternal perspective of you are doing far greater than we understand and perceive. For you are a great and a mighty God. And you are worthy of our praise and our worship, of our allegiance, of our love. We are proud to call you our Lord. Proud to say, yes, I'm the sinner he came for. Yes, I'm the sick one that he came to heal. Lord, thank you for the way that you treat us. And Lord, with the love that you love us, help us to love one another this Christmas. We love and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.